You are now tuned into the Lunch Break Podcast, where true sales pros go to tell their stories. This is episode 79 of the Lunch Break Podcast, where true sales pros go to share their stories. Look, we're coming to the end of season three. This episode features a legend in the sales community. Belel Baltrawi is here for episode 79, and I couldn't be any more excited about this fantastic conversation that we had because, as always, Belel kept it super real. No fluff, death to fluff, hashtag death to fluff, like Bilal loves to put on his posts and, and has created a community on Bravado around this idea of, of really giving actionable, raw advice to salespeople because we need it. I had Bilal serve up a quick sales tip in case you can't listen to the entire episode. And he actually gave us two. He gave us one that's a little bit more general and one that's focused on selling through a pandemic. Take a listen. A really easy way when when somebody doesn't show up for a meeting, okay? Uh, What you want to send is an email that says something like this. Hey, James, I'm on the Zoom meeting or whatever the link is. You know, I'm, I'm I'm on the link. Let me know that everything is okay and if you need to reschedule. Hope you're well. That's it. That works a significant vast majority of the time because what you're telling somebody is, look, I know life happens, so it's okay. Like I'm not, not, not mad at you, but I just need to know that out it's of, not serious. Yeah. Out of respect. Out of respect. Short, brief. I, I tell you right now, I learned that very early on in my sales career and it's done me well, done me very well. The, the coronavirus tip that I say, <laughs> if you're in this time right now, believe me, this is tough times. Nobody knows what the hell to do. Me, myself included. I, yeah. I, I never sold through a pandemic. I don't. Nope. <laughs> right? no I, don't know the, I don't know the last one we had. Uh, but, but the challenge right now is to be relevant and mindful. And those two criteria are rough. Those are tough criteria to deal with. So what I'll say is this. I would, I would say if you really want to be empathetic right now in sending messages and you're at a company that isn't allowing you to sort of tone down the messaging and you got to still send messages like it's business as usual, then try to think about your customers' customers. Mm. That's what I would do right now. So if if I'm selling, um, you know, to financial advisors, I'm thinking about the clients of financial advisors right now. I'm going to find info on their world and I'm going to try to give that to financial advisors. They might be even seeing it right now, but I think just adding that value, being like, look, I'm thinking about your clients' clients right now. I'm trying to go into your world. Here's what I'm hearing. I hope this is helpful to you right now, and hopefully we'll all pull through this together. That's the message I'd be sending. Fantastic, actionable sales tips from Bilal. And you can expect more of that in this episode some really interesting stories about how he got started in sales and you will leave this episode motivated to just get after it and cut out all of the fluff so with that episode 79 of the lunch break podcast enjoy 
All right, folks, here we go. Uh, episode 79 of the Lunch Break Podcast. And I am absolutely fired up about this episode because my guest today really embodies exactly the type of person that I love having on the podcast and, and really the reason why I started the podcast um, because I want to have that frontline, real life, no fluff view. And Bilal Baltrawi is here, episode 79. Dude, thank you so much for stopping by, man. Thank you for having me. And I'm the one who's honored because I get to be in your company and I get to be on this podcast. It's a huge deal. I've listened to some of the other episodes and enjoyed it thoroughly. So this this to me is, is a big honor for me. So thanks for having me. We have so much in common in the way that we kind of see the world and the sales community. And I can't wait to dive into all of that. But but let's kick this thing off the same way that I kick all of these podcasts off. Uh, Bilal, how did you get started in sales? Yeah, it's a, that's, a, that's a great question. It, it ended up for me being when I was at University of South Florida in my final year, I printed out a few resumes and went to the job fair because I didn't know what the hell I'm supposed to do with a degree in economics. And I walk into this job fair and the first booth is is a pretty reputable company. I go up, I hand the woman who's dressed in her business attire, my, my resume and start talking to her, trying to exude confidence and just ask questions about the business and be all clever. And she's completely disinterested. Okay. Just like totally like doesn't care that I'm talking to her. And at one point some guy notices and kind of bumps me on the elbow and tells me she's not the hiring manager, man. I'm like, Oh, what? He's like, no, no, she's not. And I'm like, well, who is she then? And I asked her, I'm like, wait, so who are you with the company? She's like, no, I'm just an intern. I'm like, so what are you doing here? She's like, I'm just collecting the resumes. I'm like, oh, that's why you have none of the answers to the questions I want and don't care what I'm saying. Yeah. And I'm like, Makes is sense manager now. here? She's like, no, they're not coming. And I'm like, oh, so like, <laughs> there was no point in giving you my resume then. Could have just applied online. Like there's literally no difference. Um, so I start walking around the rest of the career fair and it just goes from that to worse. Like at one mm. point, as I'm making the L-shaped turn around the booths, there's a company that has no banners, nothing professional. They literally have a like construction paper with a Sharpie written in their company name. And I'm like, oh, hell no. <laughs> like, I'm like, I could do better than this. Just like pretending to make a fake company. I mean, yeah. Like, this is bad. Like, you couldn't even go to Kinko's really quick or something and get a printout. Like, this is bad. Anything. Wow. So at this point, I've handed out one resume, that first one and none other. <laughs> and I'm turning the corner to leave. I'm like, okay, I'm clearly not going to get a job. And the last booth is this company called Trinet. These guys got, they've got matching shirts. I'm like, whoa, they've got banners. And get this, they've got a TV screen on their table showing some promos of their company. I'm like, oh my God, I'm, whatever. I don't care what you do. I don't care who you are giving you my resume <laughs> yeah yeah and it turns out the hiring manager is there right okay uh, and he's hiring sdrs he's like have you ever thought about a career in sales i'm like ah whatever dude just take my resume <laughs> sure at this point after what i've seen <laughs> yeah and that's how it started he called me up later on and um, told me to come in an interview and i got a gig as an sdr for this tech company called trinet and it was about 500 employees fast-growing startup backed by a private equity firm. Uh, I was the first of five in, uh, SDR hires. Mm. And that manager eventually became the executive vice president of Inside Sales, and that company went IPO. And all three years I was there, it was in the Inc. Fast 500. 
Wow. Just like the right company with the right manager. So I'm blessed and fortunate for that. And that's how my sales career started. Yeah. I mean, that's so fantastic that, that, um, you know, because I think a lot of people, their narrative is like, oh, well, the last option I had was this sales job. But from your point of view, all of these other companies were just not even putting any effort towards it. And, you know, it's an interesting place to be in when you're about to get out of college and you have this obscure degree and you don't really know. And, and for me, it was like, I, I don't know. I always thought that at some point somebody would just kind of come along and be like, okay, here's what to do next. Right. Right. And you realize you get, you're getting closer to that graduation date and it's like, okay, nobody's giving me concrete answers here. I'm not getting any real direction on how I'm going to go out into the world and figure this out. And so then you're at square one and you're walking through and it's just like, whatever looks like (laughs) it might be. I'm telling you matching shirts. I was like, done, done. (laughs) What, What do you want? My social security number? What do you need? Yeah, right. Like the barrier to for success or 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 uh, whatever you want to call it is so low. So low. Um, and and I love that you got into a team. And, and well, I mean, it, the writing was on the wall from the very first moment. They looked like they had their they had their act together. Yeah. You know, and uh, yeah. it attracted you to it. And then, yeah. how f- fantastic that it wasn't a bait and switch. Yeah. You know. Absolutely. How important was that, was that first leader that you had to your he, career as a whole? You know, he, I mean, so his, his name is Joe Bush. His name is Joe Bush. I still talk to him. In fact, he moved here to Atlanta like uh, earlier this year and we connected right away. I, I love he, it. I would say the foundation that he set of my understanding of sales today is a majority of why I am who, who I am professionally. He was the sort of guy who had this wall of just books that he had read and, 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 and not just read, these books were just scuffed up and beat up. I mean, these books were bent, they had tabs, they were written up, highlighted. Like when he read, he really went through books and he carried around this black notebook all the time. And whenever he said something, he'd write it down. Mm. He wanted to know your interests, your hobbies, your metrics, whatever it is. And he just had fun facts for days around sales. He would just rattle off statistics around sales all the time. And being around that when you're that new, right? And that's, that becomes all you know, you're like, oh, so this is sales, right? Mm. So he, he set the bar extremely high for me, extremely high. I love it. I love it because it's, that is absolutely the, sales is one of those professions where there's so many different avenues that you can take even once you're into it you could you could you could not give a shit about your job and clock in and clock out and probably do decent if you're an okay person and you're showing up for eight hours and trying you'll do okay um and you may have leadership that kind of acts the same way obviously you could go the opposite way of being absolutely horrible leadership which creates a whole another series of problems but you know that to find somebody who was locked into the type of mindset of, of just consuming and and a learner, it sounds like it just kind of bred that kind of spirit into you. Um, So you've gone on. It's like a trade skill, right? It's like, if I want to be a carpenter, I don't just read a book around carpentry because that that might help me like maybe be build like an Ikea desk, but it isn't going to help me, you know, build something masterful. 
Yeah, and become go, a carpenter. Yeah. yeah, right. I got to go under a, a, a master carpenter and tutelage and apprenticeship and gain that knowledge firsthand if I'm going to get to that level, right? And, and I view sales the same way. Like you can't get a degree in sales, right? They just don't hand them out like that. So you got to go learn from somebody who gets it. Yeah, yeah, and 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 back back then things like LinkedIn and, and this online community really weren't going on. Right. And so uh, you had that there in person. And, and so you've gone on to do different types of sales roles, right? So you um, moved into like an AE role there and, yeah. and um, you've been a sales trainer. So just talk to us about how, because, you know, the first time you and I connected, we talked about the idea of job hopping, right? Yeah. And you and I, both are of the belief that if we're not happy and we know something's not a fit for whatever reason, and looking back on it, it may have been to completely us. Like I can say, I'm looking back on some things. I can say, yeah, it was completely my mindset. That's why it didn't work out, but it was never going to work out at that moment in time. Um, you've done a lot of different things. You've had a lot of different experiences in spite of that fear that a lot of us have. And I think, and, and I know that all of those experiences are why you're able to bring all of this value, right? And so talk to us about your mindset around going out, recognizing that sales was something you wanted to really take seriously, and then not being afraid to, to you know, everybody loves Gary Vee. Well, you know, he tells you to go out and taste stuff and try things. Like, talk to us about how you overcame that fear or if that was even a factor for you yeah that's a, it's a it's a it's such an important point i'm glad you brought it up because it's it's okay i'm i'm, I'm the definition of the job hopper like if, if people were using the classic definition and you look at my background i've had six months stints at multiple companies right so that's like classic job hopping um and there's always a debate do i hide that or do i show it on my profile and what's going to happen if i do or don't yep um despite that despite that job hopping I've been the top sales rep at four of the six startups I've been a part of, and I've been the dead last rep at two of those startups. Okay. <laughs> I didn't forget how to sell at those two startups. <laughs> it's like, yeah. I forgot what the hell I was doing. I just was not a fit. The company was not a fit. The leadership was not a fit. It was not working out. Yeah. And I wasn't going to sit there and pretend like it was. Like, mm -hmm. there's no way. And I think this comes down to this is one of those things that's one of the hardest, like by no means am I giving advice to others on this because it is one of the hardest decisions you have to make, right? Whether to leave or not, especially when you've been there for less than a year. But let's, let's state some of the facts that we do know. This industry does not care if you leave a company that has high turnover, right? So there might be a bad actor, a company that just is terrible. Their training is bad, their product market fit isn't good, their glass door reviews are terrible, and they churn out sellers left and right. And if you're one of those churned out sellers, guess what? You're still a job hopper. Doesn't, doesn't matter, right? Yeah. Yo, you only stayed there six months, why? Oh, that's a really bad company? Oh, are you bashing the company now? Are you one of those? You know what I mean? And, and mm -hmm. it opens up a whole can of worms. So that's a fact, right? Let's not argue, that's, that one's just, that's how it is. And the second piece is salespeople are still categorized even just when you look at the language of job description today in such unusual ways you still see the word aggressive you see the word hunter you see the word outgoing personality you know former athlete 
things like this and you're like, wait a second, I'm not any of those things and I'm still pretty decent at this sales job. Like, <laughs> I'm a good listener. Where's that on the job description? I'm a critical yeah. thinker. Haven't seen that one in a while on a job description for sales. Mm -hmm. So there's, there is a bad mentality when it comes to recruiting sales as well. We want like hunters, aggressive, outgoing, you know, all of these words that rock stars. Ugh, yeah. Okay. Ugh. Right. So you got these two factors going in on this side and in the decision you've got to make. Right. And the way I viewed it is simply, I'm a man of faith. I'm a practicing Muslim. I'm driven by a moral compass. I want to be at places where I can be my best self. Right. Yep. And if I do that with conviction and I try to be a place where I can be at my best self, I just have a fundamental belief things will work out. And because I'm in startups, there's a bit of room, wiggle room there that it's okay to leave startups more than it would be maybe big companies. Yep. Right. Um, and I've, and I've just, when I was the top rep of those four, four startups, I gave it all I got. And I was able to walk away from those four startups with all the recommendations that I would need to get the next gig. Cause I, yeah. I learned not to burn bridges very early on. Yeah. So, Put all that together, whatever it means to the listeners out there, because that's the game we're in. And, yeah. and those are the rules that we've got to abide by, because that's, that's how the system is working right now. Yeah. No, I mean, I think it's a fantastic explanation of your mindset. And, and the, you made a very important distinction here, right? You, um, you, you can operate in different worlds, right? If you're in the corporate world and you want to remain in the corporate world, being a job hopper, labeled as a job hopper, that's going to, you're in a really tough position. Dangerous. Right? Dangerous. Dangerous. Super game. tough. Maybe to the point where you might be forced to start looking in the startup world because you're just not going to get past that initial filter of automated tracking system shit that recruiters have in these yep. large corporations, right? So to your point, I think that's so... so so important, right? Because in the startup world, you can, to me, from what I've seen, because I once worked in the corporate world and now I live in the startup world, you can have real conversations with the founder of a company who knows you and has seen you and is aware of all of the great things that you can do. And you can have a, a much more like contextually rich conversation around, hey, I was there for six months. Here's what was going on. And then at the end of the conversation, it's like, all right, well, this person isn't a job hopper. This person is smart about his career. And in, if, if we're being, my opinion, you know, respectful to the company, like I'm not going to stick around here and continue to pull my salary when I'm, completely disenfranchised and disconnected from the mission and, yep. and, and I'm never going to get there because I'm yep. not there. Um, and so I think those are all wonderful points, man. And, and one of the things that, that I think draws people to your content and, and how you talk about sales is, is your very blunt and critical take of sales leadership straight up. And, and I, I know you catch some heat for it for sure, <laughs> but we appreciate it. Uh, folks like me, you know, when I see honest discussions about 
and, and, you know, you're not bashing sales leadership. It's almost just, ple- it's some, sometimes it's just like kind of like pleading yeah. in a certain way of like, let's just actually talk about what we're putting these salespeople through here. So, you know, lots of people have sales careers similar to yours and mine where they try different things and they're in startups and all these things and they experience good and bad situations. Not everybody decides to start talking about it on LinkedIn and creating this personal brand like you have and the, you know, your community death to fluff, um, which we'll talk about. Um, how, how did that journey come about? Like, how did you get to the point where you woke up one day and was like, you know what? I'm putting this out. I'm posting this. This is happening. Uh, it's, yeah, it's, um, you're right. So there, it's amazing how universal, like, bad sales leadership is. Like, it's, you know, it's not peace and love that transcended space and time. Apparently, it's just micromanagement and, like, playing with your comp plan. So yeah. that's yeah. somehow across the borders and industries and all the all the barriers. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so, man. Yeah, it's pretty surprising how people have gone through it. I, you know, I, I started posting for selfish reasons. The main reason was I was just, I was, it was my, I was about to join my sixth startup. And I was like, why am I explaining myself? Like, I know what I'm doing at this point. Okay. But nine years, five startups, one went IPO, one got acquired, one was a fortune unicorn. I know what I'm doing. Do you guys know what you're doing? Because at this point, <laughs> your startups are more suspect than me. Right? <laughs> Um, so it started off like that. Um, and I just posted, you know, I write, I write the way I speak. I don't know any better. (laughs) I probably should. Yeah. It's just what I do. And what ended up happening was I started getting these messages from, from people saying things like, um, you know, I, I can't, you know, I read your stuff all the time. Fortunately, I can't like or comment it because my company or my manager monitors my activity. But I just want you to know, you told my story today and it, it meant a lot. And when I started getting those messages, I was like, ah, like, I can't be selfish anymore. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, no, this is now no longer about me. Right. I was like, okay, okay. And that's, that's, when, that's when it started getting real. And that's when I started saying, okay, um, not, only, not only am I experiencing that I'm not alone and I'm not crazy for thinking these things, other people are going through this moment of relief. I, and I need, to, I, need to, I need to contribute to that. Right. Mm-hmm. Because, because today's world on LinkedIn, there's a ton of sales leaders posting sales leader stuff. Tons. It, it's, and it's not good or bad. It's just that, that perspective. Yep. And that is a very finite perspective. Right. There's far more sellers than sales leaders. Um, Absolutely. And, and, and as well, in conjunction with that, today, the employee-employer relationship is really unhealthy, in my opinion. Like the balance is unhealthy. Like, think of it like this. Uh, If an employer wants to fire you the day before commissions are paid out, they can and do. And there's been salespeople who have experienced it, right? Um, You know, you sign a handbook when you start on your first day that waives your right to say any disparaging comments Mm -hmm. till death do you part. And even your great, great grandkids, right? Can't say anything bad about the company. It's like some sort of thing that like goes to perpetuity till, till the end of time. But the company is allowed to disparage you right? So you could do a great job there, but somebody didn't like you, say something bad about you, and it might even be a lie, and you have no recourse. 
Mm -hmm. right? There are things like that. There's more, many, many, many examples of that. And, and that shows that it's all about the employer, right? Like we talked about a, a bad employer with shitty glass door reviews that's churning out sellers left and right. But if you leave that job at, before a year, you're the job hopper. Yeah. And they're still going to have recruits coming in all the time and they're right. still going to be selling their wares and doing yeah. their thing. And their oh, you're... Page will let you know they're number one. And, and apparently yeah. every company in the world's number one. We're all snowflakes. I didn't. I yeah. Know. Right. I mean, but I didn't know there was a number two company in the planet. Every company <laughs> in, the world in some way. So, you know, so that's, that's the situation. Right. And, yeah. and that's what the post started morphing into. It's sort of like when I, when I felt the sentiment from fellow sellers, when I started talking with fellow sellers and, and hearing my story in theirs and mm -hmm. seeing that they were seeing their story in mine, that's when I wanted to do more than just, um, you know, post some ticks and trip, uh, tips and tricks, right? Because yeah. the world has enough sales advisors and, and, you know, cold calling tactic white papers. Right? So <laughs> we can hopefully, you know, push, push a little deeper than that. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's what resonates, right. Is, is, um, you know, that, that unseen population that is afraid, literally afraid to like or comment on a certain thing because they don't want to get called into the boss's office and, Hey, are you, you know, what do you think, you know, or whatever doubt may come from it. Um, and, and yeah. I can, I can definitely understand the fuel that comes from that right because it it when it's a selfish thing you may or may not feel like posting you may or may not feel like you know interacting or anything like that but but when it comes from okay i can do this and i can be a voice for people that don't have one i think that's a fantastic thing man um look i know we're running up on time so um i need to ask you just for a very quick actionable sales tip that uh sales folks can use when they get done listening to this episode Okay, I'm gonna give two because I, I don't know when this will be released or what the world will be like then. Because right now we're in coronavirus times. I'm gonna give you the coronavirus one as well. The, the pre or post one is a really easy way when, when somebody doesn't show up for a meeting, okay? Uh, what you wanna send is an email that says something like this. Hey James, I'm on the Zoom meeting or whatever the link is, you know, I'm, I'm, on, the, I'm on the link. Let me know that everything is okay and if you need to reschedule. Hope you're well. That's it. That works a significant vast majority of the time. Because what you're telling somebody is, look, I know life happens, so it's okay. Like I'm not 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 mad at you, but I just need to know that out it's of, time to be serious. Yeah, out of respect. Out of respect. Short, brief. I, I tell you right now, I learned that very early on in my sales career and it's done me well. Done me very well. The the coronavirus tip that I say, if you're in this time right now, believe me, this is tough times. Nobody knows what the hell to do. Me, myself included. I, I, I never sold through a pandemic. I don't. Yep. Right? No I, don't the, I don't know the last one we had. Uh, but, but the challenge right now is to be relevant and mindful. And those two criteria are rough. Those are tough criteria to deal with. So what I'll say is this. I would, I would say if you really want to be empathetic right now in sending messages and you're at a company that isn't allowing you to sort of tone down the messaging and you got to still send messages like it's business as usual, then try to think about your customer's customers. Mm. That's what I would do right now. So if, I, if I'm selling 
um, you know, to financial advisors. I'm thinking about the clients of financial advisors right now. I'm going to find info on their world and I'm going to try to give that to financial advisors. They might be even seeing it right now, but I think just adding that value being like, look, I'm thinking about your clients, clients right now. I'm trying to go into your world. Here's what I'm hearing. I hope this is helpful to you right now. And hopefully we'll all pull through this together. That's the message I'd be sending. The end. I love it, man. I love it. And, and to your point, I don't think anybody really knows what to do, but operating from that place will help you avoid coming across in a way that nobody wants to come across as insensitive or callous or, or, you know, obtuse or however you want to put it. Um, yeah. I love that. So last question I ask everybody that comes on the lunch break podcast, um, again, right now being recorded in a very strange time in our, in our, in our world history where we're all literally, everybody's eating lunch at home. Yeah. Hopefully. hopefully. Um, but non-corona times, what's your favorite place to eat lunch, man? Yeah. So I, um, we've got this, we've got this, uh, if you heard of Chinese, a Hakka Chinese food, it's like oh, yeah. Chinese mixed food. I love that. Yes. Stuff. Oh, I love that. Man, I'll take some chicken and broccoli, but with that Indian spice in there. That's it. Yes. <laughs> you know, we're talking. <laughs> uh, so there's this place called Chinese Daba here in Atlanta that, that I just love, man. I just, I consume <laughs> an unreal amounts of their food when I get there. And so I, I love I love Chinese dub. I love Hakka Chinese food. It's very very flavorful and good. I love it, man. And and look, um, for anybody that wasn't already connected with you, or maybe just connected to you on LinkedIn, you know, I know you have a community that you're running. Talk to us about how folks can connect with you and continue to follow your journey, uh, which I highly recommend everybody do. Yeah, the the best way. Thank you for that. The best way is 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 join the Death to Fluff community on Bravado. Um, so. The death to fluff community is what I what I was looking for that I couldn't find, which is a place for me as a seller to talk to other sellers about this stuff and not have some like CRO or head of sale tell me I'm complaining or trash talking just because I want to talk about my quota, you know. So I wanted that safe place where I could share my story and others could share theirs and know that they were talking to other sellers that get it um, and and try to find learn from others that have gone through the experience. And see what they did, whether they left, whether they fought the good fought and got executive buy-in and how and all that sort of stuff. Because we've a lot of the stuff we've all already gone through. There's no reason to, to, to experience it without any advice or counsel from others. I love that, man. It's fantastic. Well, look, uh, Bilal, thank you so much for stopping by, man. And with that, I'm going to wrap up episode number 79 of the Lunch Break Podcast. Speak to you guys soon.